Hey, everybody. This episode is brought to you by our proud title sponsor, NHL Sense Arena, the next generation of off-ice hockey training for players and goalies. Look, we know how much you invest in your children's hockey development, the early mornings, the travel, and let's not forget the expenses of training for hockey camps, private ice time, the general expenses of the season. It's a lot. But wouldn't it be great to bring that on-ice practice experience home that's fun, fits into your schedule, and that's affordable? If you said yes, which I'm sure you did, you've got to check out NHL Sense Arena. It's a top-tier virtual reality training game that brings the on-ice practice experience home so you can practice anytime and anywhere, literally. You can transform any part of your home into a virtual ice rink where you're getting unlimited access to over 100 drills, training plans from top coaches and players, weekly drill challenges, and more that focus on improving hockey sense and physical cognitive skills, starting at just $33 per month. That is a lot cheaper than an hour of ice time. The physical side of hockey gets a lot of attention, but we don't focus enough on the mental side of it. It's something we talk about on this show all the time. NHL Sense Arena provides an immersive solution for players to sharpen those skills when ice time is limited or not affordable and they want to get those extra reps in. So for our listeners, NHL Sense Arena is offering an exclusive $50 off their annual plan all you got to do is head over to their website, hockey.sensorina.com. Again, hockey.sensorina.com and use our code hockey never stops and you'll level up your off-ice training by using NHL Sensorina. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for supporting us and NHL Sensorina. Enjoy this episode of Our Kids Play Hockey. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Our Kids Play Hockey. We have a great one today with a guest, Jen O'Brien, who is the director of the American Special Hockey Association. I'm not going to lie to you, we have just a fantastic conversation, uh, a lot of education here about hockey players within her organization and terminology that we use within the game, but really it comes down to how big of a community the hockey world is. It's a really special episode. I was really glad that we did it, um, and Jen was just a rock star in this one. So make sure you uh, take some time to listen to this one. Also, it's the off-season now when you're listening to this, most likely, and your kid probably has summer reading to do, so we're going to encourage you once again to head over to whenhockeystops.com to get your copy of When Hockey Stops. Uh, book that Christy and I wrote, uh, or you can head over to Amazon, uh, Target, Walmart, all the other places, Barnes and Noble, where books are sold. But if you want that signed edition with the special gifts, whenhockeystops.com. Oh, look, without further ado, enjoy this episode of Our Kids Play Hockey with Jen O'Brien. Hello, hockey friends and families around the world, and welcome to another edition of Our Kids Play Hockey. My name is Lee Elias, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friends, Christy Casciano-Burns, and Mike Benelli, and we are privileged to have Jen O'Brien with us today. Jen is the executive director of the American Special Hockey Association, a group that supports organizations and athletes with special needs as they strive to achieve their goals within hockey. Jen also serves as a delegate to the UN Commission on the Status of Women, as well as the Executive Board of American Mothers Incorporated, and was recognized as the 2018 New York Mother of the Year. All those mothers out there said that you were the best mother of the year. We actually found her, and she's here on our show today. I'm just <laughs> kidding. All of you are awesome mothers, but uh, you you did receive that high praise. So, Jen, I can't wait to learn more about you, Asha, and all that you do. Welcome to Our Kids Play Hockey. Awesome. Thanks for having me. No, the pleasure is ours. And I think we should just start off with, with talking about Asha and the organization and, and everything that you do there and, and why it's important. Uh, when we, we use that hockey is for everyone moniker all the time, right? You're a big part of that. 
I am. Um, but our athletes and our coaches are, um, I happen to represent about 5,000 folks from Alaska to Florida. There's 116 um, member informing organizations involved with our association right now. Um, we actually had three new team inquiries over the weekend. So I have a feeling next year that number is just going to continue to grow. Um, it's pretty amazing to see how the special hockey teams connect with their local hockey communities. So it's not just the people who are registered and they're part of ASH. It's really about making sure that we are supporting those organizations as they welcome more and more people of all abilities to the local teams and the local organizations and to kind of grow the game at the very grassroots level. And that's where we really focus is on supporting those, that effort as best as we possibly can and uplifting that everybody is able to get in the game. How do we it. expand? I know you've done a great job, but you know, it, it, I'm looking at even my own area. There's not a lot about it here. No, actually in your area is we've had like three starts and we had one solid start um, thanks to the Jim and Julie Beheim Foundation and God bless Julie Beheim. She is as wonderful. I know it's cross sport, but it, she is as magnificent as a human being as they've ever portrayed out there. And she's had kind of a bumpy last couple months and, and she, she, you know, her, her response always is so much care, but we actually have a team ready to go as soon as COVID kind of, the whole COVID thing kind of lifts. So we have some stuff going up at uh, Syracuse University um, and then we'll be growing beyond that. So we just, we just picked up two more families. We're kind of sending them to Rochester for this season and then we'll keep it. But again, that's part of our network. When we get more requests in then we start spreading it out, but obviously spreading the word in every community is that word of mouth that makes all the difference. So, yeah, I want to help you do that. So be sure to contact oh, I'm, I'm in. I'm they're ready to launch. <laughs> See, we're making connections here. Yes. Do, do, do me a favor. Like, look, there's, there's always a stigma surrounding anybody. Mm -hmm. Can you, can you tell us about your athletes Tell and specific or not specific, but tell us about your athletes. Tell us about, you know, what the game uh, means to them again. And, 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 and anybody involved in this organization, right? Cause I, I imagine that, the experience is wonderful for everyone all around. So that's a really big question. Like when you say, tell us about your athletes, cause you say that and like, I get this like flash in right. front of me, like all these faces. And I think what I want people to know most is every one of our athletes are no different than any other athlete, anybody out there. They're individual, they have their own set of skill sets. They have their own set of abilities. Not everybody is good at everything. And, uh, a friend named Bryant McBride, who always said he has this wisdom about hockey, and he says everybody falls down, and everybody gets up. It's an equal play. It's, it makes an equal playing field, and that is certainly true about ours. But I will say, uniquely to ASHA athletes, is that they never forget a statistic ever. They never forget a detail ever. They will hold everybody accountable to any promise that's ever made, and they keep their promises. So if they say they're going to do something they're going to do it. There's not a lot of craziness in, you know, as far as, you know, people telling stories, this, that, or the other, these this straight on honesty, there's an honest love for the game and the kids that come to, to ash at first, you know, they're not always five. Sometimes they're 12. Sometimes they're 40. Sometimes they're 30. We can have from five to 60 on the same bench. It depends on their ability. That's how we rate everybody and how they, when they play, they play according to their abilities, not necessarily their age. And we are also um, the most diverse uh, league in the continent that we know of. Um, we are 15.4% identifying non-white, 
you will always find a diverse bench. Boys, girls, all cultures, all languages, some are non-speaking, but our, our community as a whole has a real love for the hockey. And when you ask me about who our athletes are, they love the game. They are what is really, really good about the game. They're the fans in the stands that are cheering you on, whether you are winning or you are losing. They're cheering their benchmates on, whether you're winning or they're losing. And if they score, they often apologize to the goalie. Sorry, I scored on you. Like that's a common <laughs> thing. We have stinky sock penalties in our league to make sure that everybody has an opportunity to feel like they can be a contributing factor. So if somebody on a one team sees that somebody else isn't scoring and they keep trying, stinky sock penalties come and everybody naturally knows how to make it be a dignified moment for everyone to achieve their goal. It's not about scoring, it's about achieving. So when you ask me again, you know, what about those athletes? Each one of them has a unique ability to bring the best to this sport and bring in the sport brings out the best in them. And it's my pleasure to serve them. Yeah. And that, like that, that, all teams adopt that. Yeah, that that's exactly the, the answer is hoping to draw out of you because, you know, we've, we've had a lot of different guests on this show under the hockey is for everyone type conversation. And I've always been amazed in this game. You know, I remember 20 years ago, uh, people, you know, oh, ESPN, we can't have hockey on ESPN, ESPN. And it's like, guys, we, we don't have time to argue amongst ourselves uh, <laughs> to grow this game. You know? uh, and I've always said that, you know, um, we've talked about this, Christy, with your daughter, you know, oh, oh she's a, a woman's hockey player. Like, no, she's a hockey player. We, we talk about that. A hockey player is a hockey player, background, race, anything, right? Um, mm -hmm. And I love that you answered that way because that's the truth in the game is that hockey players are hockey players. We're all part of the same hockey family, hockey community, right? Um, and, and again, you're an organization that strives to achieve that as well. And I love that. Thanks. Thanks. Really yeah, I think, I, yeah I, I think, you know, from, from your perspective, Jen, um, you know, working with your programs personally and, you know, having the opportunity to work with a lot of your leaders. Um, one of the things that I found, uh, which is one of the most beneficial pieces of your program is what you give back uh, to people that want to give back. Like, you know, Lee kind of alluded to it earlier. Like there's actually so much joy in you as a, as a able-bodied person or, you know, somebody that's in the game of hockey to be able to go out there and teach hockey and to, to players that want to learn. And I think just as importantly, uh, maybe, and you can even talk about this, about your volunteers, the amount of young kids and young hockey players that get involved with your hockey players and seamlessly, I, I, I actually probably do a better job. Like they seamlessly go in and they don't, you know, kids don't see the stigma in kids and maybe they're uncomfortable and maybe they don't know really how to, you know, like my son just took a, uh, he's in scouting, right? So he took a whole uh, merit badge course on, uh, you know, working with disabilities, you know, that's a merit badge. But it's almost like when I'm sitting there watching it going, this should be for every kid. Like right. you should, all children should know how to work with other children of disabilities and look at them in, a, in, in, in not in a different way, but understand the challenges that they have so that they can add more to the environment that these kids are in. So maybe can you talk about, you know, not maybe, you know, we, we can talk about your high level volunteers, you know, the people that like, like, like that you're doing, right. Filling warehouses up with equipment and getting it out, <laughs> but really talk about how important it is for the grassroots kids and, and coaches and people to get involved in their local community and not be afraid 
to do that. And, 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 I, and I, I'm, I'm hoping I'm using the right term and verbiage, but, you know, feeling like don't, don't feeling uncomfortable, not feeling uncomfortable that you can't go in there and help. And, and Jen, feel free to tell us if we use the wrong verbiage here. And Mike, I'm sure you'd agree. I will. If, yeah, don't if, worry. If, yeah, please do. <laughs> like, like, look, part of breaking any stigma is having the conversation. And I'll dive into that in a minute, but I want Mike to, Mike, Mike, Mike's question to, to be there first. So, so the question really is, it's about like our, our teenage and our, our younger volunteers. And, and I think it's really important. It's actually a key component of all of our teams um, is the youth, the local youth hockey involvement. And I often tell our folks to go look for the kids that are in the penalty box too much. They're fighting too much. They obviously, there's something about the game that they love, but it's not, it's making, it's, you know, they're not really sitting well in their, their skin with it and find them a way to get out of the, you know, kind of the grind. You know, there is a grind involved with this. And so how do you find out your love for the game again? Well, get involved with us and you'll, you'll find the love for the game. Right. Um, specifically, we have about 1,300 uh, youth hockey across the country that are regular registered volunteers for their organization. And all of them bring the most important component, and that's peer-to-peer relationships. You can coach a kid all you want. It's just another adult talking down. But this is about the social aspect. Unlike typical hockey, we're not talking about going to win on championships and all this other stuff. This is about building social and emotional relationships with your peers, learning how to do things, be more independent, all of those what we call ADLs or activities of daily living. Like how do you get from point A to point B? People with special needs use that, use teamwork to do that on a daily basis. They've had to do that from day one. They've had to have someone assisting them. So if you have to have someone assisting you, you have to learn how to use teamwork. And so there's a lot that individuals with disabilities can help typical kids um, kind of humble up a little bit and, and learn about, you know, let's, let's slow down and take this step by step by step. So that peer interaction that happens between our typical um, junior coaches or mentors, it depends on the co- you know, team, what they call them, and our athletes, it's huge. And they, be, they form lifelong friendships and those friendships are incredibly impactful um, later on in, in the, you know, whether they're on the ice or off the ice, these are people who have normal, typical strengthened friendships because of hockey. Now, I think we can all agree that that is one of the things that hockey does uniquely than any other sport is that you have a band of brothers or sisters or friends and you become very, very connected to them for lifelong, you know, and those pickup games happen and the street hockey happens and, and all the other things that happen that happens with special hockey, but it's because kids enter our program as mentors or junior mentors, they're able to actually grow the skills that they're, their hockey skills. They've been coached. They know how to translate the coaching to their game. Now, how do they translate all that coaching into their life skills and their life goals and learning how to take that information and help their life moving forward? And uh, we really, really search out really good ones. And we also do a lot to recognize them. We have scholarships. We do a lot of recognizing of our junior coaches. And we're always looking for the ones that are hiding, the quiet ones. And we might not put a big banner up, but that might be a letter from me. It might be a, a quiet scholarship or something that we know. We're always looking to recognize them. Because you know sometimes you just have to be seen. And they're taking the time to see our athletes not through some kind of veil of a stigma, as you said, right, you know, right. they don't really care. As a matter of fact, most of them will tell you that the best friend they'll ever have is somebody with autism because they're the truest friend. And when they're having trouble in math, they always know I have a friend to call. There's always a phone, a friend, 
with our group. Um, and it's remarkable how those relationships grow. And again, as you asked me before, you know, you asked me this question, I see faces, you know, we lost two really amazing junior coaches this past year, both in highly uh, publicized accidents. And it was, it was out, you know, the outpouring of love from everybody to both Connecticut and to, into the Philly area was huge. And I think that was a testament to the impact that these young men and women have on our athletes. Oh, we're so sorry to hear of your losses. Our, our hearts go out to the families as well. Jen, I was wondering if you might be able to share a story or two of some of the benefits you've seen. Maybe, you know, some, a child comes to mind who, you know, you could share their story with us of the real difference that the program makes in their lives. One? <laughs> I, I feel bad I that I'm the, I'm the one to be saying this. I mean, Mike, you've been on the ice with a couple as well. Um, and so I might, oh, he smiled. I think we're going to get Mike to maybe tell a little bit about what his experience. That's is a like. nice smile. For those of you listening, Mike's got a big smile on right now. That, that's that's rare. not his normal smile. Rare. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I don't know if it's rare, but yeah. yeah go ahead, Jen. <laughs> um, I'm going to, maybe I'll bring up, I mean, there's some that I can talk about publicly and some I kind of leave to their own private stories. Um, I think there's two that I would bring up specifically. One is um, he was in his 30s. He picked up the phone. He called our program here in uh, Binghamton and he says, I see you have a special hockey team I'd like to join. And um, the person who answered the phone at the time was working in an office that I was in and she was like, he's 30, everybody else is eight, this isn't gonna work, da 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 And I'm like, hear him out. And Taylor showed up at uh, a rink here in Binghamton, it's called the Polar Cap. It's kind of infamous in its own way. It's uh, kind of a little stuck down in, the, in a little, whole of the wall place but it's a wonderful place and, and and it's now called the ice house and the guy's incredible to us but uh taylor walked in and he said i know i'm too old but i'm i wanted like to be a coach and he's clearly on the spectrum and uh that was six years ago and he has he now plays on two other special hockey teams because he's an a-level player but he comes back every friday to coach the team here and what he has done since is he's learned job skills. He's gotten a job. Um, we're always looking to figure out a way to get him hired um, by a rink or do something. I mean, everybody's always trying to figure out how to hire, hire Taylor. But what we realized was that Taylor had the ability to bring out the best in all of us. So when I really need like a Jiminy Cricket, I don't call certain people. I'll actually call Taylor. And when I've met with the NHL executives, I've often say, you know, I don't work for the brand or you guys, I work for Taylor. And because he's the one who's going to hold me accountable, you know, and I'm a volunteer too, you know, but at least I know that he values me and my time. And I love his love for statistics. And so I, it really helps me um, understand the game a little bit better. And uh, especially when we have like an alumni coming in, I'll call him up and like, I'll even, I'll get like three syllables of the names out. And he's automatically telling me the guy's whole career. <laughs> um, but Taylor, Taylor is a really great story about how getting involved with special hockey, even though he was already involved with hockey, he, he kind of burst his limit. He couldn't go to, he couldn't play anywhere else. Didn't have any else to play because he, nobody else knew what to do with him. Right. So he was feeling really low in his game and then he came to special hockey and he found out that he found acceptance and he found a lot of encouragement and it really brought out something in him. So he's, 
and at, he's a good example of what this does for someone who's in their late twenties, thirties, who's, you know, beer league, isn't really a good fit. They can't play right. You know, where are they going to go to play this game anymore? So we really search for places and ways to get them accepted. Jen, you know, what's funny about, uh, it was not funny. You know, what's amazing about that story. I should say is we have a lot of conversations on this show about parents and you know, that the focus is not about you. It's about the player. And you just described that, right? Like in the sense of like, this isn't about me. This isn't about the NHL. This is about him. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, that's such an important aspect that it, it, look, I've said this before. I don't think any parent or I should say 99.9% of parents aren't going out there not caring about their kid. That, that's not the point, but it's very easy to forget like and get into the game and like, you need to do this. And you forget like, hey, wait, 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 we're not here for you, right? We're, we're here for them. Um, one thing I want to do on this episode is uh, I want to provide a lot of education for the audience. And, um, you know, up to this point, I'm sure the audience is listening. Like, this is a great, this is a great story. But I want to talk about the, the stigma even more. I want to talk about terminology. I want to, because I don't know, right? I'll, I'll, I always make myself vulnerable. I'm not even sure I know the right terminology. What is the correct way? What is not? What are things that we shouldn't be saying? And uh, if I may, I want to tell you just two quick stories before we lead into that, because I've had some experience in this world with this stuff. And I was reading this great article the other day um, of a parent whose child had severe Down syndrome. They were on a plane and there was a child in the seat ahead of them um, looking, just staring, right? Because they were curious. And the mother of the child ahead of them said, no, don't do that. Turn around, turn around, don't look. Um, And the parent wisely said, no, it's okay. It's okay for your child to be curious. And I remember thinking that that, that triggered the second story I'm about to tell you, but right, it's this idea of, no, that's the stigma. This is a human being sitting here, right? You don't ignore it and turn back. It's, you can ask questions, you can learn. That's how progress is made. I was working at a, of all things, a sports broadcasting camp um, year, many years ago, right? And um, this kid changed my life. I remember we were in Baltimore and uh, a kid was disabled from the waist down, all right? He was in a wheelchair. And he met one of his sports heroes, right? And, and, and I, 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 this kid will never walk. That, that's the, the point I'm trying to make. And he met his hero and he looked at me, who, and I was an athlete at the time. Um, and he said, man, don't you just wish you were me? And he was dead serious, right? And I remember, man, you talk about perspective immediately. I was just like, wow, you know, like that really put things in perspective for me of, of he can't walk and he's serious. Like he's on cloud nine right now. This is not something he thinks about like that, right? Like that's, that's his life. He's living his life. And don't you mm-hmm. wish you were me? Um, and then I had the privilege when I lived in England to, uh, I was working with a professional hockey team and I would go to the special schools. That's what they called them and work with those kids. And it was so rewarding in the sense of not just uh, for me and the kids, but for me, you know, cause when you walk, I would walk into the schools and it, and I'm not gonna lie to you. It, it, it's almost like nervous when you walk in because it's, it's not a normal scenario. Right. And within minutes, you just realize like what, man, none of this is, this is ridiculous thinking. These are kids and they're just having fun. So my, I'm sharing these stories because if I hadn't experienced those things, I might still be of the, I don't want to talk about it. Like, let's ignore it. I don't want our audience to walk away from this episode thinking that's really nice what they do. I want them to know, <laughs> Hey, listen, here's what you can do. Here's some things that people say all the time that maybe they shouldn't say. Um, here's how we can be better as a hockey community uh, for everyone involved, right? You, you, is that a good setup? <laughs> trying to, I'm trying to set yeah. you up. To, yeah, thank you. 
Yeah, that's amazing setup. I'm sorry. I mean, I have to laugh because don't you wish you were me? As that was brilliant. I've, I've yeah. actually heard that said before. And I yeah. say that it's like, you know, you know, what is someone I heard lately? Oh, I have a charmed life. Don't you understand? I mean, that doesn't matter. <laughs> right. right. Like, yeah, you kind of do, you know, you know, I get everything I need, you know, life is good. But there is an, I think when we talk about the stigma, I think the parent on the plane, I've actually read that story and that's true. Um, right. Um, there is no stranger if you say hello first. And I think that's something that's, you know, learning just how to say hello. And, you know, where are we used to stairs? Yeah, we're used to stairs. Um, I think the hardest part for us, um, what term not to use, obviously the R word. And we talk about that. Right. Um, there is not a week that doesn't go by where that is not said hmm. somewhere in around the locker room um, of any of our teams when they go in. And it might be, a you know, recently it was like a dad telling his kid, you know, what are you blank? Because you left your helmet in the, in the car right in front of a whole special hockey team. Wow. You know, and everybody's head whips around and the guy looked completely mortified because it just rolled off his top. Right. Well, maybe, maybe that yeah. was a learning moment for him. Right? It was, but it was yeah. also a learning moment for everybody else. But of course, you know, the kid who's sitting next to him goes, hey, it's all right. Sometimes that happens. That's right. the response. You know, I think if we could, I think the stigma that I'd like to talk about is that special hockey has to look or special hockey players have to look just like other special hockey or just like other hockey and, and um, or that they have to do things exactly the same way. Nobody, not a single athlete, uh, American special shared sympathy. You know, you don't have to feel bad for them and, and getting involved with our teams doesn't make anybody a better human being. You know, what it does is that it invites more people to become more in a community and, right. and grow that community to be more diverse in, in every way. You know, not everybody is good at everything. So everybody is disabled in one way or the other. One in every 44 Americans are, you know, impacted by a disability in one way or the other. Disabled folks are the largest minority of folks that everybody could possibly be a part of. You know, one of the things I said in a meeting once, I listened to this whole big presentation about inclusion and equity and, you know, diversity. And obviously they had nothing to do with special needs or disabilities in the entire conversation. We got through this whole thing. I uh, put my hand up and asked a question. I said, when are you going to realize you're one hit away from being one of us? You know, it kind of killed the whole joy of the, of, of, of the presentation. But the point is, is that I think people need to realize that we're all human. Right. And if, you, if you're looking at a stigma, then you know, what would you feel like if it were you? If you were the one there, you know, stop and ask yourself, if that were me, how would I feel? You know, I think another thing people have to realize is that stigma is often based in grief. You know, if that were to happen to us, we would feel sad. We would feel a loss because we knew a difference. But for our individuals, they have an entire bunch of abundance of things that you don't know about yet. So take that time to think about what they do have and what they could have is a friend in you. And let's start there. Yeah, Jen, just, just to define a little bit, to kind of frame this for anybody like might be listening in or wants to get involved with American special hockey or thinks they might have a, a player that could be right. involved with American special hockey. 
give us the parameters. Now I know, I know it could be pretty broad, right? Cause so, but give us the parameters. Cause I mean, you just made the point, like it doesn't have to look like, like I work with uh, New York city with the New York blind hockey guys and you know, their puck is the size of a, you know, it, it's, it's huge. It's a huge metal loud puck, right? Because it has to be adapted. So talk a bit, little bit, what, like when you look at an American special hockey practice and you see all these kids gathering and all over the country, <laughs> what does that look like? I mean, what, what, are, what, are, what's the, what's the two ends of the spectrum that parents might seek out their children playing American special hockey? Oh, that's fantastic. Um, so my two ends of the spectrum are this, we might have an individual who is eight years old. He loves hockey on TV. His dad loves the sport, his mom and his siblings, everybody loves the sport, but he may be um, on the autistic spectrum, very sensory. And if we can get him to come into the rink and sit on a chair next to the rink and maybe get him onto the ice and inch by inch, get him there slowly, that's one end of the spectrum. Five minutes, three minutes, two minutes. We just keep going for as long, little as long, just as long as we're engaging. It eventually catches without, as long as the parents let the coaches do their job, that it eventually catches. I, I have an absolute, I mean, it's amazing the amount of people who skate. There's something about how the equipment hugs you. The sensory of, mm. there's something very, very unique about hockey, about the equipment, the ice, the environment, the lighting, everything that is almost so sensory stimulating that it's soothing to the most unlikely of person. And, and so I've seen people who are completely not hockey people end up finding that hockey is a, an amazing sport for them. Likewise, on the other end of the spectrum, I may have, I have two women who play who can outskate Ovechkin and I'm not joking. They really could. They're amazing on, you know, and, you know, they have an uncanny abilities. However, they are definitely have special needs and special hockey needs to be adapted for them for many reasons. We have such a wide variety of needs. So we have to adapt every game for every bench for every time. So there's a lot of communication that has to happen between coaches to make every single you know, time we get together effective, but what isn't typical is what it looks like. You know, there are typical practices and you can see them, but for the most part, if you were to go into the underworkings of it all, every single thing is a movie. It's always moving, talking to the parents, how are they, what's going on, what are their needs, what's going, you know, there's tons of adjustments being made and the dedication of the coaches and the volunteers and the parents to make sure that it becomes fully accessible starts with communication and communication is universal it can be you know it can be pictures it can be storyboards it can be however it is but when you're looking at the athletes you also have to remember that they have so many different varying abilities you can't make an assumption of what you're looking at so it looks completely different sometimes it looks like a three-ring circus and that's fantastic sometimes that three-ring circus you know morphs into a scrimmage at the end of the game and every adult and, you know, at the rink is like teary eyed. And I do want to tell one of my favorite story. Please. And, yeah. and my, my favorite story to share, and it always kind of chokes me up, but is every time there's a festival and we have 22 a year um, and we had 20, 21 this past year, but we know we have 22 festivals a year, but every festival has at least one brand new parent, somebody who's brand new and they thought their kid could never do it doesn't matter their age of their kid or whatever. 
and they don't quite fit in. They don't know anybody yet. They show up to these festivals and they're like, you know, everybody knows what a hockey tournament's like. It's chaos, you know? So, but, so they always find themselves at the end of the rink by the net and they stand alone. And they stand there and eventually start people start realizing, oh, that's the new kids pair. It doesn't even matter which team it is, they know. And they start to kind of gather around, not next to them, they give them space, they don't even notice. And eventually somebody notices that they need to score. So it's no, there's nothing said, it's all nonverbal. And eventually there's a setup where they make sure that that athlete scores, no matter how hard it takes, at, right on the ice by the parent. And then the parent turns around and realizes that they now have a whole team behind them. And every there's not a dry eye in the house, the whole place erupts and it's pure love for the game. And those are the moments that you know that doesn't matter how good you think you are or how bad you think you can be, you're always able to play this game together. Jen, that's a that's beautiful, beautiful story. story. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna and, say the same thing. And yeah. then introducing the whole concept of a team, something that these children probably never experienced in their lives before. No, and they don't know how to, you know, how do you, how do you feel like you have a teammate and team parties and, and being invited to a birthday party? Oh my Lord, you know, our kids don't get invited to birthday parties. And then all of a sudden they have 30 birthday parties they get to go to a year. And then it's, it's remarkable. I'm start crying. <laughs> <laughs> and it's real. And, it's, and, and they may find it at five and they may find it like Taylor at 30, but they find it. And for yeah. those who need it, there. Jen, here's a, here's a great question. And Mike, this is for you and Christy as well. It's more of a, a you know, thought. We're obviously talking about this in the context of special hockey right now, right? It's like people listen to this. Tell me that's not how it should be everywhere all the time. It shouldn't, right? Like, like, like we, we could learn from you. <laughs> you understand what I mean? Like, like we talk about this all the time. Hockey's for everyone. Hockey is hockey. And, and the truth is this, is that like, I think people get so lost on ability and I'm not talking about special needs. I'm talking about skill just in general right now. And where are my kids going? We forget the basic elements of why we play sport. This isn't even less like limited to hockey. You said it's a community. Um, you know, again, we're recording this towards the end of the season and we're seeing communities break down because evaluations are happening right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, man, that's the best part. Like I just, I keep thinking it shouldn't, it doesn't have to be this way. Right. So when I look She's at what the model right there, I, exactly. The model, right. You know, and, should, and, and we should be duplicating that. Right. Absolutely. You need to write a playbook for everybody. <laughs> you should. I, I, listen, I mean it. I mean, it. like, we, look, youth hockey, which is great, and just hockey in general, which is great. I'm telling you, we forget some of the most important lessons that the game provides, which is, as you said, and, and tell me how it's any different, right? Friendship, community, teamwork, you know, communication. I was just thinking when you were speaking, uh, Mike, you'll get this too, right? Christy, you'll understand this from dealing with coaches. I've said this to a lot of coaches that I work with. You can be the best tactician on the planet, the best. I mean it by a mile. If you can't communicate those tactics, you're worthless as a coach, right? You have to be able to learn how to communicate. And I love that you said we have to communicate in so many different ways with, with our athletes, right? Like I'm curious now, like I'd like to learn those ways, you know, as a coach, just, just to learn. Mike, you look like you want to say something. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. I just, I just, I think you're what Jen would, 
what Jen has done with her group is, you know, create um, a program, right. That, that, that really people want to continue to give to, right. If she, if they weren't, if they weren't doing, um, you know, God's work, but really they're doing like they're, if they're not giving opportunity to the people that need it the most, then she wouldn't get the support she gets. So Jen, talk about a little bit about Bauer, the NHL, your, your, your partners in the NHL, like these players that go like that. You don't need to seek out, they seek out you. And, you know, talk about like, I I, I love to hear more about the rank of dreams that I see on (laughs) Facebook and, and Instagram and stuff, because I think this is where all of us as a hockey community, number one, will be jealous. Number two, um, (laughs) have to have, have to say, wow, this is something like I can actually get involved with this and be a part of a, a positive change. And to your point, not to make, you know, not to make me feel good, but to make all these other people feel good. And I think, and that in turn makes you feel good. It's just like anything else you do, right? Your, your, your gift, the, the gift you get is giving. And I think that's where like to, and to your, your, totally. your organization is the epitome of that. So I'm going to make one correction actually is I didn't create anything. You know, um, I actually have to steward something and I have to steward a mission. And, and I think that I would have liked to just make that really clear is that um, I like to say there's 116 organizations out there who believe that they invented the game. And the truth is they did for themselves and their own community because it's so unique. And I think that's really important. Um, the idea of special hockey came to the United States about 27 years ago, and um, it's kind of grown from there. And it has evolved in so many different ways. I just happen to be kind of a not-for-profit governance person and things like that. So I, I hate to, thanks for saying I created something. The truth is, is that my job is to kind of steward it along, um, but also uplift the creations of other people. And, and that's the beauty of it, is that, that there is- Well, so however you want to define it, it's fine. Somebody has, to, <laughs> somebody has to steer the ship. I mean, the bottom line is you can't just, it's just not, you know- Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. There, it's it's on Seinfeld here. You know, you can take the reservation. You got to keep well, the reservation. We'll just tell you the captain. <laughs> but I think it's just, but I think you're, you're, what, you're, what you're doing, again, the credit <laughs> has to go to somebody. You can give the credit out to everybody. Great. I'm just, I just want to hear more about what is, what, so okay, that component is going. The wheel is rolling. What are all the other people that have to come involved in there to help you continue to steward the program? So the, let's talk about the NHL. The NHL, um, our relationship with the NHL at the national, at the league level, um, when I first started was they didn't really have anything to do with us. They didn't know about us. My very first day on the job um, was actually a meeting at the NHL offices. And I thought I had kind of the Mecca, like, oh, here I am, I walk in, this is great. And what I realized I was being called to the principal's office. And, and that's really what the meeting was more like. And um, it was with, she's now the commissioner of women's soccer, but it was Jessica Berman. And it was a really intimidating meeting, but it was a good one. And in the end, she had our back and she, she really, um, kind of needed to help me understand how the hockey um, culture was at the time and where the hockey hockey culture was pretty much going. Um, When Kim Davis came on board with the NHL, it was a complete game changer for us. And Kim is an absolute dynamically, incredibly wise woman, an amazing mentor to me and a good friend. And, um, And she is to so many, but Kim really put she put her, you know, 
her money where the mouth was in many ways. We didn't, we don't get a lot of funding, but what we do is a lot of support. The first thing I woke up to this morning was a call from the NHL going, hey, it's World Down Syndrome Day is coming up. Make sure we have what we need. You know, so they're looking for information. And right now, hockey doesn't have a lot of bandwidth. We hear that a lot. There's a lack of bandwidth. Well, they use us rather than use us as a checkbox. We've encouraged them to use us as that bandwidth. So they come to us for those resources. So we really work closely with the NHL at the league level for that, but also making sure that certain things are consistent across their league and across their markets. Um, I did say once to them that, hey, you've got 32 teams. I got 116. I don't know what you guys are like all worried about because I got all what, you know, let's put this in perspective. But, you know, maybe a bit of different, but there, you know. But the league is really supportive, but each individual market is as well. And so you'll find the Minnesota, uh, Minnesota Wilds supports a very specific league of their own, which is Minnesota Special Hockey. And then Chicago also has something very similar. Washington Capitals have seven teams. Wow. You know, Philadelphia okay. has uh, six in their area. Boston has 11. So we kind of work with each market or each NHL club to grow. Seattle Kraken is working hard to grow opportunities in their area. And it's not just always in special. Sometimes we get together with a market and talk about blind hockey. We talk about sled. We talk about standing amputee and warrior hockey and special all in one, you know, conversation. And then we start to break it down into, you know, doable things. Those partnerships really come back to what we talked about earlier, Lee. It was about communication. Right. It's about opening those doors of communication and um, bringing opportunities to see if they're a good match or if they're not. But we have to keep bringing those opportunities and so that's a big part of what we do with the league. Um, obviously, folks know that Alex Ovechkin has been a supporter of special hockey for a long time. It's ever since he met a little girl who's no longer little. Um, she's now, I think, 18 this year. And he took her on a sushi date, and they've been buddies ever since. Um, and that's been a great relationship. And that's a very private one between the two of them. And they're still continuing to be friends. It's always fun to get on the ice with them because all he wants to do is talk to Anne. And Anne's like, ah, it's Ovi. Like she just mm. wants to go play. <laughs> like she could care less sometimes. But, um, but we really like to work with the AHL. Um, we had a meeting with them earlier this week about growing some stuff because we're developing those young players. So let's flip back a little bit and talk about when we're talking about our junior coaches and mentors. AHL players and ECHL players are just getting out of the juniors. They haven't done a lot of community stuff. If we can get them involved with special hockey, we're going to make them better community ambassadors for the brand, for the NHL club later on. And that is a big push. And, and everybody loves that. Um, Nate Bastion, who was with the Kraken, now he's back with the New Jersey Devils. Um, Nate was a volunteer with us here in Binghamton. And you can see his love going all the way through. And it's always great when he high fives the kids when they go down to the ice, they feel special, they have a connection. He has a connection with them. That is a lifelong friendship that hockey built, regardless of all the flashing lights and all the big contracts. It's a lifelong friendship that hockey built. And we like to go on that. Bauer um, came on board with us, ironically, because I was the mother of the year. It was kind <laughs> of a funny thing. Right. I um, did a thing with the United Arab Emirates women's hockey team. I had, they had given us a, a chunk of money. I called Bauer asking if I could buy wholesale. They kind of declined, like put, like declined me nicely. Yeah, and sounds, then, sounds like Bauer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, they're actually phenomenal and, and they're an amazing partner. And Julie King um, noticed that I was the mother of the year for the state of New York in 2018. And for some reason that she saw it on my LinkedIn and then yeah. she came back. 
That's great. Can you take quantity? And I'm like, "Uh, yeah, I didn't know that I was going to get, I mean, over the last three years, we've gotten close to $980,000 worth of equipment that we've distributed out, um, not just to special hockey, to any at-risk from, um, well, we did Northern Labrador and we've done San Diego. So it's a pretty, you know, we've done a pretty good crisscross across the nation in Canada with making sure that we're partners with Bauer. So Bauer is an incredible partner with us. That's and, wonderful. And, and whenever we need something, we give them a call and we also partner back with them. So I guess if you want to talk about Rink of Dreams, it's a good time too. Yeah, no, but please. I mean, I think, I think the, um, you know, so, you know, obviously you do a lot of showcases and you do a lot of these, um, you know, like you said, 21, 22 tournaments around the country to cater to, to, uh, you know, this, this group of uh, hockey players, but tell us a little bit about the the project you just finished and, and are using. And, you know, I think it's a real great incentive for other organizations around the country to get going and get their teams geared up so they can come up and play. So I'd like to hear more about that. So uh, this past December, um, I was told that the second sheet of ice that we were going to use for our annual festival here in Binghamton um, got double double booked. And I was like any other good hockey mom. I stomped around the house throwing quite a temper tantrum for about a day. And then someone said, well, you need to call this guy and use his backyard rink. And I'm like, no, I'm not using a backyard rink, like all the attitude full on embarrassingly I was like whatever like, <laughs> no and so I called this the uh, Christina and Larry Pierce and I said hey you know it's been recommended for me to give you a call and I'm like well Larry was so excited said, just come on up and see it so four miles from my house on top of a hill between a cow pasture and the horses grazing next to the barn I go down a dirt road and I stop at the dirt road and I have the ugly cry that everybody during COVID, like all the COVID frustration, like I left it right there in a muddy mess. It was an ugly, pathetic cry because in front of me was a full-sized refrigerated rink outside with Wagyu cows on one side <laughs> and the donkey calling me on the other. And I'm like, what is this? And not only that, it's all recycled. All of it it's all recycled. Like it's all refurbished. It's all like, oh my Lord. But the view is out outlandish. It's just, it's the most gorgeous, peaceful place. And the Pierce family, um, the Cornell, the original Cornell scoreboard is recycled and refurbished up above the, the Zamboni is the recycled one from the ice house. Like, and it's painted like a cow mm-hmm. and And the benches are these 35 foot long, you know, white oak trees that were going to have to be felled because the boar anyways. So they felled them and they, these beautiful white oak benches, they're just tree trunks with the, you know, with the top flattened off. And it's, but what they did was they made the entire, when I first visited, they were still pouring concrete around the pad and other things. And Larry's like, how do I make this the most accessible I possibly can? How do I make it so sleds can get on? How can I make it so your athletes can come up? And we're going to open this in January, January, you know, Martin Luther King weekend for your event. And we're going to open this for special hockey. And he paid a whole lot of extra money to make sure it was ready. And it was minus 16. So what does he do? He buys a big bench heater and he starts heating the bench. And, you know, 
we ended up having Omicron, so we could only have like 75 kids come to the first one. And which was really good because it was a perfect time to kind of try it all out. But if you could imagine having the most perfect outdoor rink completely built and accessible for your athletes, sensory wise, physically wise, they get dressed in the barn and they come up via hay wagon. Can we talk about the hay wagon? And the dog meets them at the end of the hay wagon. And, you know, and there's a baby cow named Anne because she's Annie because she's an orphan that's getting fed in the stall next. And like the amazingness of this whole entire family, like grandma came out, the uncles came out, all of the kids were there. And even better is the kids invited their hockey teams. Oh my gosh, it's a field of dreams in real life. It was that (laughs) in everything. It was that in everything. And it has, um, and Matt Karkner, who used to play here in Binghamton, he rookied here. And then of course he went on to play pro and he he left the Bridgeport Island um, Sound Tigers. He ended up coming, being a coach on the bench with, bench with us, sorry. And he was, he stayed in this little house. that's also all recycled. Um, Larry happens to do demolition and construction. So this is part of how this happened. And he just kind of looked around. He's like, there's s'mores, there's a bonfire, like everything, sight, smell, everything could, it was about as soothing as it gets. And uh, Larry and Christian obviously have a vision. It is a private rink. You can only come by invitation, only it's a private party. So when they said, let's do this again, when said to have the whole festival all over again with everybody supposed to coming. So we welcome 247 athletes from 26 teams um, from basically Michigan to Florida um, to the ice uh, about three weeks, four weeks ago, I think it was now. And um, it was absolutely incredible to watch it all happen. And we had kids parked down at the school and the county sent buses up and they dropped them off at the barn and up they came via wagon load. It's pretty amazing. So amazing. It's it, you can see pictures. It's on uh, in our Facebook page, American Special Hockey. Uh, I think that's probably the best place to see pictures of it. But it is all that and more. And um, I think uh, you'll see that that kind of uh, rink will have more and more. But Chris, I mean, I'm only 63 miles away from you. Come on down. I'm, I'm gonna come. <laughs> I'm gonna make a trip and see it. This is amazing. Yeah. We'll be playing a lot of street hockey on it this summer. We just oh, they just God. pulled the ice out this past week. So, and uh, that's the goal. But that that but what that really was was a gift. You know, the Pierces didn't know their kids had never played with anybody with special needs before. And then to loop back to what you said earlier, Lee, is that. You know, Larry loves the game. His kids love the game. His wife is like, I like my horses and she likes the game, but she's like, you know, this is about her husband's passion in many ways. And what she, what she realized was that there's outside of the typical hockey experience, what she saw was this really wholesome community coming just to play and love the game. And that was a real heart changer. It wasn't just a game changer. It like changed the way her, you know, people's heart felt about the game. And you have to see it to believe it. And, and that's something I often say about our program. So not only did their faith in us and welcoming all of us to their backyard, as crazy as I thought it was, I was so wrong. You know, they welcomed us to their family and we welcomed them to ours. And I think that was such a beautiful thing about our game. It absolutely was, Jen. You know, Jen, I'll tell you this. One of the things I love about doing this show with Mike and Christy and, and guests like you is that we're having those conversations that I don't think happen enough. And it's a great reminder 
to everyone that listens that this hockey community, the whole thing, it's so much bigger than anyone realizes, number one. And it just helps everybody refocus on that. You know, it's bigger than just making the AAA team, <laughs> whatever, whatever that is, right. Whatever that version is for the listener. Right. And, and uh, you know, we've had this great opportunity to interview yourself. We've interviewed Puerto Rico hockey, obviously a lot of women's hockey, the military hockey, and it's hockey is hockey. It's, it's just at the end of the day, and the ability to be part of the community. And you know what, what I find, and I want, I want to close on this and give you the last word, obviously, is that I think sometimes people will look at an organization like yours and go, well, you know, I, this is my way of giving back. I'm going to go join this. And what I always find is that I, when I do things that I learn more from the people I'm working with than they probably learn from me. Right. This is a, it's a two way road here. Right. It, it, and, and there are a lot of people out there that, that want to volunteer. They want to do things Right. And the true trick is you want to learn from everything that you do in this game, right? Like I, I mm-hmm. said it before, I coached my hockey this year. I've never coached Mike. I learned a lot, right? Because my, I, t- I told them all the time, my experience at the upper levels has nothing to do with my hockey, <laughs> right? Volunteering for organizations like yours, you'll learn a lot. You'll learn a lot, right? And it's a two-way road. So what I wanted to do is throw it to you real quick. If people are interested in finding you or finding mm-hmm. the organization, wherever they are, how would they do that? Where do they look? Where do they find you? Well, pretty easy. Specialhockey.org. That is really um, easy. Yeah. <laughs> Specialhockey.org. Um, and that will link you to all of our teams as well as a contact button for any questions. And what I'd like to encourage people to do is don't be afraid to ask those awkward questions. It's okay. There's pretty much nothing that can be asked of me that is going to be more awkward than some of the things I can tell you about, like, or won't tell you about. We've had some, we've had some pretty awkward moments that aren't so awkward. Um, uh, it's amazing how many times special needs parents will get together on, in the stands and they'll be talking about things like, oh, you too? Like, <laughs> you know, it's okay. But right. ask those awkward questions if you want. Ask about what you want to know um, or why. But I'd also challenge everybody to ask yourself why you haven't yet. That's a Please, great question. Why haven't you contacted us yet? Or why haven't you tried hockey yet? Or why did you think somebody couldn't play hockey yet? You know, because... If you've decided that they couldn't, then you've decided that they can't. They didn't decide that. So let's try. I think that's a great note to end this on, Jen. Uh, first off, honored to interview a mother of the year. All right. <laughs> My kids might disagree. Right, thank right. You. <laughs> well, that, that's that's one of the prerequisites, I think, that makes a mother mother of the year. No, but th- this has been a lovely, wonderful episode, uh, uh, eye-opening, but also educational. And uh, I love that we had the opportunity to speak today. So thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. And thanks to all the parents for getting their kids out there to play hockey. Like there's a big, for all your listeners out there who are making that effort. Thank you for making that. You know, it's not easy to get up early in the morning. It's not easy to do all that, but that effort is just as much the game as it is them lacing up and stepping out. So thanks for taking that time. No, and we want to thank you for being here. We want to thank you all for listening. That's going to do it for this edition of Our Kids Play Hockey. For my co-hosts, Mike Benelli and Christy Casciano-Burns and Jen O'Brien, thanks so much for listening. Make sure you check out ourkidsplayhockey.com for more episodes. Wherever you can hear podcasts, we're available there. Check it out. Thanks so much, everybody, and have a great day. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Our Kids Play Hockey. Make sure to like and subscribe right now if you found value wherever you're listening, whether it's a podcast network, 
a social media network, or our website, ourkidsplayhockey.com. Also, make sure to check out our children's book, When Hockey Stops, at whenhockeystops.com. It's a book that helps children deal with adversity in the game and in life. We're very proud of it. But thanks so much for listening to this edition of Our Kids Play Hockey, and we'll see you on the next episode.